Hi friends, it's Kayla Moran and welcome back to the Let's Get Candid podcast. How is everybody doing today? Happy Thursday, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever day or time you're listening. I'm so excited to be back on the mic with you guys as always. Let's just jump right in. I am a hot mess. I just got home. It's 8.49 at night and I had to go buy my dog Halloween costume today. I had a Junior League of Miami event. I don't know if I actually told you guys that I joined the Junior League of Miami. It's a women's philanthropy organization. They have them all over the country. It's international too. And I really just have always loved community service and philanthropy. And I wanted to get involved in my community when I moved back home. So I joined over the summer and I went to a new member social today and we decorated pumpkins, which I brought some pumpkins home, but I know my mom is going to be like, Mm, I'm not decorating with this. Um, they look like a fifth grader made it, but you know, it's the thought that counts. Okay. I brought it home to my mom. Um, perks of living at home, I guess. I still do arts and crafts and bring them home to my parents. Yeah. I had a really great time connecting with some of the women in the junior league. And actually my former boss is a new member as well. So it's cool getting to catch up with her and her career and, you know, I've been really appreciative of having her in my network, but now also as a friend as well. Funny enough, my mom just got home and she's actually putting them as decorations, so maybe she won't throw them out this time. Um, what else is going on? I My room is a mess. My office is a mess. I'm a mess right now. I'm just a little overwhelmed. I think we talked about that in last week's intro. Still, same thing, looking for jobs. Got rejected from a couple of jobs this week. You know, it happens. Rejection is redirection. The market is slowing down. It's just kind of what's happening right now, and that's okay. I'm still focusing on building my trademark practice and taking a course to become a trademark attorney. And, well, I mean, I can be a trademark attorney just now that I've passed the bar, but to really specialize in it. And I'm doing personal injury work at my day job. And, you know, I'm running a couple of businesses on the side, one of them being this podcast. So, My cleaning and organization has taken a hit, but hopefully this weekend I will be able to get my life back on track. But tomorrow is one of my best friend's birthdays, and Saturday we're going out for her birthday at night to celebrate, but actually in the morning we are taking our dogs to the mall to do like a Barks and Booze event where we get drinks and the dogs get treats and they get dressed up. So I got my dog a shark costume. And it's going to be really cute, so follow me on Instagram at Kayla Moran. It's linked below to see my dog in a costume for like five minutes before he yells at me to take it off him. Um, what else is happening? What's my suck and sweet of the week? My suck of the week is that it's been raining, but it's actually really nice out. It's like 65 degrees and beautiful, so that's not a suck, but the rain part is because it's cold rain. And just said, I am a little overwhelmed. I kind of had a mentee bee on Monday. I had a moment, a mental breakdown. I call them mentee bees. Feel free to steal that. And I just let myself feel it on Monday. Threw myself a, tam- a temper tantrum and yelled at my mom. And then I apologized to her, which is something new that I actually took it upon myself to apologize because I realized I was being a bitch. And I also am ovulating now. So it's partially PMS, partially just overwhelm and stress and not really having a handle on my emotions and I just snapped so I apologized and her and I talked about it and she was like you just clean your room clean your space that'll make you feel so much better start working out meditating it'll be so good for you 
And yesterday I did a meditation. I was able to sneak one in, a 13-minute Melissa Wood Health meditation, and it really did change everything for me. So I need to be more mindful of doing at least a meditation or movement every other day. Um, ideally one day I'll be able to do them every single day, but little by little baby steps. So I'm glad she reminded me of that. I'm also really glad that that mental breakdown happened on Monday because it was a good way to just get all of that energy out before a new week and go into the week with my head held high and I had a mindset shift later in the afternoon and it ended up being really, really good for me and I just feel so much better now. And I'm really looking forward to this weekend celebrating with my best friend, having a great time, and then Sunday getting my life on track, cleaning up, organizing, and, you know, changing out my closet for fall and winter. Not that it gets that cold here in Miami, but, you know, getting rid of the summer stuff from my closet, putting it in my other closet at my grandma's house, swapping things out. I'm really lucky that I get to do that and just cleaning up and organizing my space, but enough about me because that's not why you're here thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast if you've been enjoying it for the last couple of months it really does mean the world if you are new here i'm so excited to have you here thank you so much for being here i hope you follow along at the let's get candid podcast on instagram and tiktok to find clips of the episodes and follow our guests and see what they're up to and yeah i really really appreciate all of my listens it means so much i know i say that every single week So if you like it, please leave a rating and review. Please subscribe, follow along to the show, share it with a friend, screenshot, tag us when you're listening so we can share it and spread the love. It's truly the best way to grow the show and I love getting your DMs and messages and tags and reshares. I get so excited and giddy every time I'm always resharing them because it's a little surreal to me that You know, I have a podcast and people that I don't know actually listen to it and then I become friends with them online and it's so much fun and I really enjoy getting to have the conversations that I do with you and all the love and support the last couple of months in my personal life with the bar exam and passing and with the podcast anniversary last month and all of the amazing episodes that I get to have. It means so much when you guys find someone new to follow because of the podcast. I love it so, so much. And actually, before I introduce our guest and let her take it away, I got my bar card this week, which means I am officially a card-carrying member of the Florida Bar, and I am officially official, official an attorney. I'm on the website now. I have my bar card. I can show up to a courthouse and be like, look at me. I'm a lawyer. Um, I actually have a hearing date set up for next month and a trial date for sometime next year. Hopefully I don't have to go to trial because we want to be able to settle the case, but your girl's going to court. Um, It's on Zoom, thankfully. At least it's not in-person court. That would be even more intimidating, but I've never actually gone to court before as an attorney, like even as a student attorney. So it's nerve-wracking, it's exciting, and I'm going to have so many more updates for you guys in the next couple of weeks as I get deeper into my legal practice and I can't wait to share all the amazing things that are going on behind the scenes that I'm working on because there's some big things coming and I can't wait to share but like I said enough about me today we are talking to Dr. Gabrielle Vasile she is a dermatologist she is a Mohs surgeon which she talks all about what Mohs is and how to become a dermatologist and what it's like to go to med school to be a dermatologist because she always knew that's what she wanted to do. She always knew she wanted to be a doctor and she went to an osteopathic college of medicine. So it's a little different than your MD and 
she talks all about the difference and there's tends to be a stigma in the medical field of a DO versus an MD. She talks about why she chose to be a DO in particular and why she's proud of it and the difference and how that doesn't affect your ability to be a doctor and because some people think it does and what the process of getting into med school, going through your exams to be certified and licensed in your state and then residency and internship and the matching program and all of these different things that I've always heard little bits and pieces about, but I never knew because I've never been interested in med school myself, but I was fascinated to learn and I think this will be super, super helpful for any of you who are listening who may want to go to med school or even are in med school and need support. She's someone super great to reach out to and connect with. She shares a lot of advice for med students and doctors and a lot of skincare and dermatology tips as well. And I really love following her on social media. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Dr. Gab. She is so much fun and she actually has a really big announcement in this episode that we recorded back in March. And now if you follow her, you know what it is, but it was really cool for her to unveil it on the podcast. So thank you guys so much for listening. I will talk to you next week. Meet Dr. Gab. Gabriella, what's something that people wouldn't know about you just from following you? I guess that I'm a very um, family-oriented person and I love to spend time with my family and my friends. Um, That's like the biggest way that I de-stress and I guess feel fulfilled. Yeah. And you're originally from Pennsylvania or somewhere up north, right? Yeah. So I'm from Delaware, actually, the first state. Most people don't know where it is because it's so tiny. (laughs) Um, But it's really close to Philadelphia. It's like 35 minutes from Philly. So used to going there, you know, growing up. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit more rural, but a really fun place to grow up. Yeah. So what brought you to Miami? Because you have really built your platform while you've been down here. Or that, like, at least that's when I discovered you. I think that's where a lot of people have discovered you. So what brought you to Miami? Yeah. So I actually didn't start my Instagram until I was down here for intern year. So I went to medical school in Philly And then I wanted to do dermatology and I was pretty much like, I'll go anywhere in the U.S. to be able to do derm. And I got really lucky that I was able to match my first choice, which was down here in Miami. So I did my intern year down here. And then I also did my dermatology residency down here. And I just finished that one, my residency in July. And I'm doing a one-year fellowship here as well. So I've been here for almost five years and it kind of feels like home at this point. Um, Yeah, and I just love it. So I got very, very lucky that I ended up in Miami for training. Yeah, so we're going to talk all about what that means, interning, residency, matching, all of that. But it's just, Miami does that. Like it has a weird way of sneaking up on people. And like, it's just, it's something I've been talking about a lot with my friends. It's like, everyone's like either loves Miami or hates it. And there's this big boom of people our age moving to Miami and, they're like talking so much crap about it. And I'm like, if you haven't left South Beach, you have not experienced Miami and I don't want to hear it because Miami is a beautiful place but you have to be open to discovering it because it is such a different culture. It has its own thing. And I, I mean, growing up Hispanic in Miami, I left for law school and for college and for law school. And I'm like, nope, got to go back. Like I <laughs> really tried. I really tried. I was like, I want to like, maybe I'll raise my family here, but like, I want to go somewhere else and explore somewhere else for a little while. And I thought like DC, New York, Nashville, Charlotte. And I was like, nope, Miami is and 
So I love hearing people who aren't from here really embrace Miami and call it home because it is such a beautiful place. So I just wanted to say that, but yeah, so you went to medical school. Did you always know you wanted to be a doctor? I did. Um, so my dad and my grandfather are both physicians, um, specifically DOs, which are osteopathic physicians. So I grew up just being influenced by them and just seeing the kind of effects that they had on their patients and the the patient-physician relationship that really um, grew that they had. I was always determined to be in medicine, like since I was little. I did go through a phase when I was like five of wanting to be like a hairstylist, but then quickly shifted <laughs> back to med school, which is actually really funny because for my first Halloween, my parents dressed me as a doctor and then I'm like, oh, here we are. That's funny. You should do it side by side. I know I should. I really should because they put on my dad's white coat with Dr. Vasily on there. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's so it's super cute. So yeah, I was always influenced by them and really didn't I tried to be open going into college, like let me explore different things, but I just kept going back to the medical route and just kind of knew that it was the job for me. Yeah. When this goes live, I would love to post that side by side. And just, I should find it. I'll, I'll try to find it for you. No, that's so cool. And I bet that it's really special getting to share that with your dad and your grandfather. You described what a DO was. So can you talk a little bit more about what a DO versus an MD? Because when we traditionally think doctor, we think MD, but there are other routes to medicine. So can you talk a little yeah. bit about that? So the DO route is an alternate route to MD and it's doctor of osteopathic medicine. So it started being, I guess, a different form of medicine that focuses more on prevention. So preventative care and a holistic approach to medicine. So instead of just like throwing medications at someone, you're going to look at their overall well-being, like their diet, what they eat. Uh, so other factors that kind of influence the person as a patient. And it's nice because we learn actually the exact same classes as MDs. So we go through the same coursework. We just learn osteopathic manipulative medicine as well, which is where you can manipulate the spine and other parts of the body to, I won't, I won't say cure diseases, but to aid in symptoms, um, like improve symptoms and um, just improve the patient's well-being. It's almost a little bit like a chiropractor, but not really. That's kind of what I, as you were saying, the manipulate the spine, I was like, oh, interesting. And I actually, so I have a couple of friends that are in DCOM right now in different programs, some in Knoxville, and then our mutual friend Claudia on Instagram that also shares concepts similar to you. And so I just, it's, I think it's so interesting. And as someone who is going into being more conscious and holistic and aware of things, and I, you know, when I move home, I want to see a naturopath and really just get everything, you know, in check. I recently got off birth control like seven, eight months ago, and my body has completely transformed. I'm feeling the best I've felt in years, and I'm really seeing the benefits of a holistic lifestyle. And so I think I, I my primary doctor is an MD, and I have a gynecologist, like an OBGYN, who's my other like main primary doctor. But I want to start seeing either a DO or a naturopath or someone like that as well, just in, intermittently and, in, you know, when I need to, just to make sure I, I'm the type of person, my family being Hispanic, you know, you do all the home remedies before you go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah. like, we would be dying before, like, we would go to the doctor for anything, even to get stitches. 
So I like, no, that, that's a story for another day. That's actually really funny. I <laughs> on my knee to prove that my mom waited for the last possible second when I was four. But yeah, so I've always, I like, even to this day, like I really don't like taking medicine unless I absolutely need to. I will do other remedies first. So I like that approach. And it wasn't until I'll say I started seeing someone, I call him hot med school guy now. <laughs> like this was like three years ago. <laughs> like he's, he's a DCOM student. Um, to be a DO. And that's when I first learned about, you know, that there is something called DO instead of MD. So I, I did a little research myself and that's why I'm really excited to talk to you. So um, yeah, it's been fun. And so also recently in the past couple of years, the DO and MD residency programs merged. So it's all one match. Um, DOs and MDs train in the same residencies post-med school. So you're really getting very similar training. It's just with the DOs, you have that little extra OMM component. So is it more schooling to be a DO or how do they, since it's the similar tracks then and then they add an extra component. So when does that extra component come in? It's just throughout med school. So it's basically an extra almost 400 hours that we do in med school. And it's the same timeline as the MD residency or MD med school. So it's four years for med school. And then residency after that is however many years, depending on the specialty that you choose. Um, so it's the exact same time frame. We just have this extra stuff packed in. So extra studying. Always love that in med school. Love that for you. But I think as the world, like I said, goes more into being holistic and conscious of wellness, I think we're going to start seeing more people opt for naturopaths and people who are DO trained versus MD or just people going the DO route general. Or I don't know, would you agree? Yeah, I for sure agree. I feel like people are kind of shifting toward this more holistic mindset and just wanting to be healthier in general, um, you know, in all aspects of their lives. So I feel like the DO belief kind of fits in with that. Did you always know you wanted to go the DO route because your dad and your grandfather, or did you ever consider MDN? What's the application process like for med school? Once, so you always knew you wanted to be a doctor. When did you actually start working on steps to go to med school? Yeah, I always knew. Um, I would say in in high school, I took like some AP science classes, but I feel like high school curriculums, there's not a lot of really autonomy to choose what you like. Um, but then in college, it's actually funny because I started out as a biology major and then halfway through, I switched to health behavior science, which focuses a lot, again, on preventative medicine, um, just like a healthy lifestyle. There's nutrition classes and um just health behavior science classes in that major. So I got to focus more on kind of what I liked in medicine. And I felt like it was a little bit more clinical than like you go to college, and you're a biology major, you have to go through environmental science, like a lot of things that aren't necessarily. Orgo, um, I heard, I remember. In yeah, school, orgo. Everyone's talking yeah. about. Like, <laughs> yeah, things that you're like, well, this actually doesn't really relate to being a doctor, but I still have to take it. So I ended up doing the health behavior science, which was great. I got to do anatomy, um, a lot of nutrition, like I mentioned, and then I kept the biology minor. So you, when you're applying to med school, you still have to do fulfill prerequisites. So like, you're still gonna have to do physics, general chemistry, biology, organic chemistry, unfortunately, and then among some other classes, but at least if you major in something else, you get to learn other things. So I really feel like med schools are now focusing on wanting to see my, a more diverse candidate pool so I would almost encourage people to major in something that you love and then just do the science prerequisites because 
they don't really want the traditional like biology major candidate anymore. I love that. And I think I can, I can speak for law schools. I think this similar thing, you don't have to be a pre-law major anymore. There's a girl in my class who is an engineer. And actually, if you're an engineer and go to law school, you can do patent law, which is the only people who can do patent law are people with a STEM background. Or there's people who were like music majors and people who were, I don't know, random different programs yeah. don't have to just, you know, a lot of business degrees. You don't just have to do pre-law or legal studies or political science anymore. So I love that, that advice. And I think it's so true. And a big theme on this podcast is that any degree that you do, like it, it will benefit you in whatever you end up doing, but like law medicine like there's still like those prerequisites you still need to have those the license and the degree and the schooling but there's a lot more alternative routes to get there nowadays this being one of them um being a do and i like that the you know behavioral sciences and there's also majors like health services administration for people who want to work in hospitals but don't want to be doctors and you know i had a lot of friends who came in bio and they were like yeah actually this isn't for me i'm gonna but i still want to also, I'm going to do this or go to PA school. So I want to talk about Durham in a little bit, but can you talk a little bit about why you chose specifically to be a DO and then what the difference between doctor, either DO or MD and a physician's assistant? Yeah, sure. So again, so my dad and my grandfather both went to the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine where I attended. So now I'm sure I really had a choice if I went there or not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I mean, it was an amazing school and I have nothing but amazing things to say about it. But I feel like I was very much in, so influenced by them in terms of choosing like the DO versus MD route. But in terms of PA school um, versus uh, being a physician, I just love autonomy. And like, I also don't want anyone telling me what I can and can't do. So I just always knew like, I want to be my own boss. I just want to be able to practice how I want to practice. And so I was kind of dedicated to doing that longer route, which is, you know, the physician route, because we have four years of med school. And then I just did four years of residency after med school and a year fellowship. So that's about nine years of training post undergrad versus PA school is two years and then you're done. And with school you can also you can also do any specialty you want so like they just take a general uh, board exam after they finish PA school and then they can just hop around into different specialties and switch whenever they want so when you're in med school you have to pick one you go through residency in that and then you're pretty much stuck with it like of course there's some wiggle room in that in terms of like exactly what you're doing and what you focus on but in general like okay, I just did dermatology residency. Like I'm a dermatologist. I'm not going to be an anesthesiologist unless I go back and have to do a residency in that as well. Yeah. So PA is a little bit different, but you know, I think there's room for everyone in the healthcare field and it just really preference on how long you want to dedicate to training. Some people are like, I only want to do two years. I don't want to do nine years, which is very understandable because I just pretty much in my entire twenties was studying. Yeah. I had fun too. Don't get me wrong. There's a balance, but you know, it's a lot more of a, a dedicated track than PA, which is a little bit more flexible, I think. Yeah, no. And I'm glad you mentioned the fun farm. We'll talk about that later too, because you do, you and Claudia both make a really big point to share that you can have fun while going sure. process. I think that's super important. And it's, again, something a shift we're seeing in society where we're talking more about, 
you know, you can have a career and you can study, but you can also still have fun and have a life. But I, I wasn't sure. I knew PA was significantly less, but I didn't actually know like the, the actual like number. So that's crazy. I actually went, my dermatologist is a PA. So my dermatologist growing up was a doctor. Um, but then I, for my lip filler, which I did today, I go to a dermatology PA, um, actually like a uh, practical experience there. But yeah, so why dermatology? Did you always, you, so you always wanted to be a doctor. You always were going to go DO. You were heavily influenced, but did you have any idea of what you wanted to specialize in growing up or how did you decide dermatology? I feel like I was always drawn to derm. So actually I used to go with my mom when I was little to the dermatologist and see her get all her cosmetic treatments, and all that good stuff. And one of my a good family friends is a dermatologist. So was exposed to it a lot, always very amazed with it. I just loved how you can have longer lasting bonds with patients and they're not so sick. So I feel like you tend to make people happy with like little things. And so, yeah, so I went through med school, tried to be very open. I was like, I'm going to go through rotations, be very, very open, but I always loved surgery and like working with my hands. So I knew I wanted to do something procedural based. So that kind of knocked out some specialties for me, but I just kept going back to derm. I I did think about doing um, like general surgery or plastic surgery, but derm just kind of like pulled me in and I knew that I wouldn't really be happy unless I was doing it. So it's very competitive. Everyone was like, you're not going to match. They didn't even know anything about me. And they're like, you're not going to match. It's so competitive. But I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be happy unless I at least try and kind of give it my all. So I decided to just go for it. And I got really, really lucky that I was able to match the first time. So very, very thankful for that. But it took a lot of hard work, obviously, as well. I will not say that anyone would deny that it takes a lot of hard work. So what is it like in med school? Like, what's the process like? Break down the four years and the different rotations that everyone has to go through and what the matching process is like. Yes. So basically your first two years, you're in classes and there's different styles of learning in med school. I mean, most of them are like class-based. So like you go to class, you take notes or it's a recorded lecture. Um, So you're doing classes the first two years and then you take your first board exam most of the time it's at the end of your second year and that's step one that everyone calls and it's like the most stressful time ever because that's a big determinant on where you match for residency because people in residency programs really focus on scores they actually just changed it though so it's pass fail now which is amazing and I think it's going to take a lot of pressure off of people because I feel like they were only looking at scores when people were trying to match and that's how law school is like looking at the whole candidate, you know? So basically you start rotations, your third year, they're pretty much standard rotations. So, you know, you go through all the different specialties, the core specialties, like family medicine, internal medicine, psychology, you might have some electives thrown in there, Uh, but in general, it's more standardized. And then, and you have surgery as well. And then your fourth year, you have a little bit more, availability in your schedule to choose what you like. So you'll have a lot more electives. So fourth year, you start going on audition rotations where you you go and rotate at programs that you're interested in matching for residency. And they're usually a few weeks long, just depends on the specialty. And that's a very stressful time because everyone's like gearing up for applying for residency, which is in the fall of your fourth year, the, um, the match system that you enter into. And you basically go through all these rotations. And then you 
some programs will invite you for interviews. And then of the programs that you interview at, you rank them on a list of like one to whatever, and you just put it in this computer system. And the residency programs also rank candidates based on how many spots they have and the people that they like. And it basically matches people. And no one really knows exactly how it works. They say they get information, but I don't know. It's it's really interesting. So then actually this week, funny enough, is match week. So on Monday, people find out if they matched. And then on Friday, you find out where you matched. So it's like they such make a- you wait four days. Yeah, they make you wait four days. Just it's so stressful. The good thing is, at least you yeah. know at this point if you're matched or not. Um, and if you don't match, then they have this system called the SOAP where basically people- the candidates who didn't match and the programs that have available spots go into this like mini match where they'll like interview quickly. And then it's like a very quick turnaround of like filling spots. But that's why it's like such a stressful week for med students. Cause like you literally just worked four years for this and whether you don't match or do match, it's just very emotional. You kind of worked your whole life in a way like for this one thing, like if you don't match in your your dream specialty and you have to do something else or wait a few years and reapply, it's just it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. So it can be very exciting when you do get there. Like when I matched, I literally fell on the floor sobbing because I had and no. I saw idea. your story today. Or yeah. Today I had no idea if I was gonna match. Like I fell on the floor and started crying. My husband thought I didn't match because I was just so like emotional so it's kind of like a roller coaster of emotions at that time but it's a really big deal for people so so yeah then you find out in March if you match and where and then that following July is when you move or you start the the new position after you graduate med school so yeah I saw that this week is match week and I have a lot of friends taking step one at the end of this year and a couple who took it last year so I'm a little bit familiar with this process, but I am learning so much as I interview you. And I hope that people listening, and it either eases their mind or gives them, you know, insight into what this process looks like if they want to go this route. But it's it's similar to law school in the sense that like, you know, these programs, these math, these hospitals, these programs that are doing the matching, they really focus on your step one scores the same way law firms look at your OCIs and your grades. And on-campus interviews for us, um, the interview process that we have, and our first semester grades, and our first year grades, and it's just, it sucks because that's not necessarily determinative of our capabilities and our work ethic, and there's so much more on the table that they're not taking into account, and I think there's a big shift going on in that in the legal industry as well, but I'm sure similar to how you guys do it, it's, it's still you know, there's a system in place and it's hard to shake out of that. But I do, it's nice to know that they are starting to maybe look at other factors too. And the match system, the way it works kind of reminds me of sorority rush a little bit. Like, oh my God, no, literally it does. But it's kind of nice that it is a ranking system and like both get to do it because for law, it's not like you could really, you could have had an amazing interview. You think it went really well and they might've not liked you and you'll never know. And you'll never, you might never even hear back from them. So I, I kind of like the way you guys do it, even though it, it is definitely still stress inducing and definitely even more stress inducing because it's been eight years of school since high school. You know, it is your whole life. Like I was telling someone today, like I'm graduating now from law school and I've been in school for 22 years. Like 
that's wild to me, but you've been in school way longer than me. So I can only imagine what it feels like, but I want to first do when you do match and then what happens when you don't match because you, you hinted at it a little bit. So when you do match, you find out where you're going. It's step one. So is there a different exam that you take? When do you take, if you take it, when do you take your boards? And then what happens once you match and you start your residency? Yeah. So you have to take three board exams throughout med school. And it honestly depends on the school. I would say most of the time you're taking your step one after second year and then you're taking your step two sometime towards the end of your, I think, fourth year. Shoot, I honestly don't even fully remember. It's the end of your third or fourth year. This is so bad. It's I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like, well, oh, it's, a few years. it's usually, I think, mm, no, I think it is towards the end of your third year because some residency programs want it in their system when you're applying your fourth year. Yeah, you take those two. And then you, there's a step three that you take usually during intern year, actually, you have to be graduated from a med school to take the third step. And that's basically the licensing exams that are national and just like for med students in general. And for DO students, there's the Comlex. And for MD students, there's the USMLE, but most DO students now will take the USMLE as well. And so this, the step one is, is pass fail, which is great because I think it allows you to actually focus on learning in your first two years of med school versus just being like so stressed for an exam. And then the other two are not pass fail. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a shift to doing better on step two now. But and because you're already, you've gotten through the first part and you're, you're a little bit older, you gone through a little bit more yeah, it's good. you've gone through clinical rotations your third year so you have a little bit more um clinical knowledge so I think step two is more of a clinical based exam which is good so I know I did a lot better on step two than step one um and I think that's good because that's really what you're going to be doing right it's clinical so yeah um yeah. So yeah. Cause step one is, it's a lot of just like scientific facts and physiology and things that aren't always related to what you have to know. Like, actually the bar exam. like that's literally, so your step one is our, we only have one exam. It's the bar exam. And I, I did a lot better in clinic than I did in my regular doctrinal classes in law school. So, you know, we don't have a step two, like a second exam. It's just one that is very like rule-based and you need to know the rules and you know how to apply them. But I tend to do a lot better hands-on actually working with clients and doing something I'm interested in. So it's kind of nice yeah. to have us, you have that second step and that it is more practical knowledge and more clinical based. Right. right. You keep the, the residencies to work with at that point, then the law firms just, the bar exam is pass fail, but it's, it's just one you work you know last three years you take this exam and that determines whether you get a job or not like it's and you have to take it in different states right so for each state you have to take it that's really stressful at least ours are national because we had to take so after I finished residency I had to take a dermatology board exam and that was so stressful because it's really just like everything is leading up to this like if you pass it, you're board certified dermatologist. Great. If you don't, it's just like, it's such a stressful period of time and you have to dedicate so much time to studying that I'm like, to have to have, to have had to redo that would have just been so stressful, especially in fellowship and trying to work. But at least I take that and I can work anywhere in the U.S. and I don't have to worry about. Yeah. yeah no, bars, bars are specific. So there's like a thing called the UBE, which like 
30 something states, I think 38 states are UBE states. So that everyone except Louisiana, because they're civil law instead of common law, like the rest of the yeah. US is they take the same exam on the second day, but the first day is either UBE. So everyone who's a third in those 38 states takes the same first day and their scores get sent out to each day and the state determines what the cutoff is. So pass fail based oh. off the cutoff. And then the remaining states, including Florida, is non-UBE. So they have a Florida-specific exam the first day. And they determine what you're asked, what the questions are, what the essays are, and what their scoring is. And then day two, it's, again, there's a cutoff. The whole country, except for Louisiana, there's a cutoff. And your score gets sent to your state. And then Florida averages the bulk scores. And then if you pass wow, the cutoff, you pass the bar. If you didn't, you did it. And depending on what you score on the bar determines if you can wave into other states or not because Florida has no reciprocity. But that's, I will do a whole episode on a bar exam. Yeah, wow. That's a lot though. That's a very complicated process, it sounds like. So, but I like that you guys have multiple layers, even though it seems more stressful because it's more exams, it's more, almost more chances kind of. Um, and more layers to your training, which is why you guys go to school for so long and why I think law school is really hard, but I would argue that med school is even harder. Um, So yeah, what happens if you don't match and do you have to repeat med school? Do you repeat the last year? What is that? Well, it depends on, I guess, what. So in terms of passing the actual exams, you can get, I think, think each one you have three chances to take it and if you don't pass then I don't think you can continue which is kind of scary um no matter how much how far you come along in your training at any um, but at any point it's three chances at each point yeah for each exam so for the each step there's three chances and then we also have little mini exams during our rotations in med school that are called shelves that are for each specialty but they're not as stressful which is good um, and I think it kind of helps prepare you for the steps it's like step two and step three that are more clinical based because then you're kind of testing your knowledge throughout the year, which is good. And then in terms of the match system, if you don't match, then you go through this little thing called the SOAP where there are programs that, so if there's programs that don't have spots that are, or that have available spots in the match. So say they didn't rank enough people or people just didn't want to go there. There's a lot of reasons, or they just have so many spots that they have openings. Um, usually the competitive specialties, it's very limited, the open spots in the residencies, but uh, people will kind of talk to the program, see who has openings, and they might decide like, oh, I'm going to do a different specialty because I just want to get started in my medical training. Or you know what, I'm there's no available openings in dermatology. So I'm going to do an intern year, just a general intern year, or I'm going to do a research year, take a year off for research and try to reapply the following year and boost my application. So there's different avenues you can take if you don't match, but it's stressful <laughs> either way. I'll, I'll talk about it in a second, but so with step one, do you, you take it three times and if you still don't pass, you can't go into your third year or when do, when do the second and third chances for step one happen? The other two make sense. So I think you can take actually, I think step like all the steps I don't know if it has to be spaced out a certain amount of time, but basically it's usually one to two months, sometimes even three before you get your, like when you take it from when you actually get your score. So then you can technically schedule it. I think you work with your school. I'm sure if you fail, you work with your school 
and they'll tell you, okay, I think we should focus on you, you know, getting to this point in your practice exams, and then you can retake it. But it, yeah, it's very school dependent on whether they'll, you know, make you take a month off and study or whether you continue and just study as you're doing that. But yeah, each one you can take it three times and it's very interesting. So if you pass, then you can't retake it. So no matter what your score is, it's not like you can study again and be like, oh, I'm going to retake it and try to get a better score. Well, if you want a better score, not for the pass fail one, obviously, but for, you know, someone's like, oh, I wish I had done better. So you can really can, if you pass, then you're done with it and you're kind of on to the next, on to the next uh, one. Yeah. I mean, I get why you would want to get a better score to improve your chance of matching, but at the same time, it's like you pass, like just, yeah, you want to do better for the last one or, you know, really do well in your last year or two years to make sure you do still match where you want to match. But I don't think I would want it. I mean, I'm talking out of my ass here, but I don't think I would want to take it again um, if I passed the first time. But yeah, so what is, so you mentioned an intern year, you mentioned residency, you mentioned a research year. What is kind of the traditional route? And did you do the traditional, you know, post-med school graduation? Uh, so it depends on the specialty, really. So some specialties, the intern year is built in. So for specialties like surgery, like general surgery, OBGYN, internal medicine, family medicine, the intern year is already built in versus other specialties where you might do an intern year somewhere else and you can do it wherever you want, but then you don't start until you're a year out from med school. So like dermatology, anesthesia, radiology, pain medicine, or some of the specialties that you'll do an intern year separate from your actual residency program. And you won't really be doing dermatology like, or whatever specialty that is in that. It'll be like, it's almost like a glorified third year of med school in a way where like you're going through different rotations again, like internal medicine, some have OBGYN. Um, some are more focused on surgery or IM versus others, but you basically do one of those and then you start your residency after that. So really for me, like I did one year of intern year and then I did three years of just dermatology. Interesting. So yeah, because it's built in for you. And the length of them is different. It really depends. Like family medicine, there's three years and then you're done from graduating med school three years you're done versus Durham is four I did an extra year of fellowship which is five general surgery is just five and then if you decide to do a fellowship after that it's longer so some of them are much longer than others yeah so because it's built in do you apply to your for where you want to intern and then where you want to do your residency or because it's built in it's at the same place how does that like the location part work because you went to school in Philadelphia, but now you're in Miami. You came to Miami for intern and residency and now fellowship. So yeah, it's, so it's a little tricky. It's a little bit of a tricky process, but you, so there are some programs that are categorical, meaning the intern year is built in. And then some programs are advanced, which is you're starting as a post-grad year too. So like your second year out of med school, we call it like PGY, whatever, for how, what year you're in after med school. Um, so there's actually some programs yeah, with it built in. So even like dermatology, there's a few now where the intern year is built in. So you, you'll do it at the same hospital system. You'll still be doing that intern year, 
that's the same. So like more medicine based, like you're not really going to have dermatology in it, but it would be at the same hospital system versus the, the ones that are called advanced programs mean that you literally don't even go there until you're, when you're out of med school and you can do your intern year anywhere. So it's kind of tricky, but for when you're applying to a specialty like that, you'll interview actually at separate intern years and the match system figures out like if you match at one of the programs that's categorical where the intern year is built in, then they'll kind of take you out of those separate intern years and they'll just match you at that versus if you end up matching at a residency that's advanced, then they'll match you into a different intern year first. If that makes sense. This is very confusing. Like people in med school still ask me this. They're like third years and they're like, I don't understand the difference. And I'm like, I didn't either. No, but that's why I want to have you on and talk about that for people who are either in med school and don't get it and are, they're not getting it, they're confused or people who want to go into med school and like, this is what it's going to be like for you. Yeah, I know. They need to have like standardized website that's just like, this is this, this is this. I will say the legal system does have standard websites. Each each state is a different one, but there are two national websites that have some of these. So a little bit better. But yeah, no, it's definitely really confusing. But at least if it is the ones that are advanced, they they match you in both. So you exactly. know where you're going to be after the end of that year. Because if you had to do it separately, then that's like a whole nother layer of stress. Right, so, right. So and that's why I wanted to ask, like how that part works. Yeah, and intern year is not super competitive. So like I've literally heard of someone who they just didn't apply to enough intern years. But so they matched into their like dream specialty that's a year out but then they had to scramble into an intern year, but it doesn't really matter at that point for where you go for a year for the most part. And they're not very competitive. So usually there's a lot of openings in those that if you don't match into one, then you can just kind of like scramble into a spot um, during that like soap period or after the match. I mean, at least it's only one year, but you know where you're going after that. So that's nice. Why do they require some programs require an intern year and like for example a derm they still require it even though you're not doing anything in derm for that one year so yeah I I think I know it's very interesting because I remember going through intern year and I was like I'm literally doing dermatology and I'm matched into a dermatology residency and I'm on an ICU rotation like this is crazy but I think they just want you to have a good foundation as a physician so after med school you're you have more autonomy, you're on your own a bit more. So they want you to kind of develop those skills and just have that foundation for really no matter what specialty you're doing, because even in germ, like people are surprised, there's a lot of internal medicine uh, that we kind of, a lot of diseases, like they affect multiple parts of the body. So we actually deal with a lot of diseases that affect internal organs. So I think that's why they want you to have that foundation. So it makes sense after doing it. I'm like, I do feel like I learned a lot during intern year. No, it makes more sense. When when you said that, I was like, oh, okay, that does make sense. And it would make sense how it's connected with internal medicine. I get it now. At first I was like, why do they make you do that? Like that doesn't make any sense. But it, it does. It does. There's a method to the madness. Yeah. So when you graduate from med school, is at that point when you could be called doctor? Yes, exactly. So the day you graduate, you're officially a doctor. So yeah, for us, like I will be called a lawyer on, on May 21st. Like I know that date, I will be a lawyer, but I won't be licensed until I pass the bar. So I'll be Kayla Moran JD, but I won't be Kayla Moran Esquire until I find out that I pass the bar, which I take in July. I won't find out till August, September. Oh, okay. 
Um, so similar, to, but that, I was just curious. So like, and that makes sense back to the intern part. So like you are a doctor now, but they want you to even still outside of med school have even more of a foundation before you start specializing. Exactly. Like even with the built-in intern years, you're doing maybe a little bit of your specialty. So like say OBGYN, but in general, you're still doing a lot of those like core rotations. So pretty much everyone still goes through an intern year that isn't very specialized. No, but it's good. And I mean, I personally would rather have a doctor who has a little bit of knowledge of everything. And like med school does a really good job of preparing you with practical knowledge because they push you in rotations. Whereas law school, if you can do totally doctrinal classes for three years, never do a hands-on experience and you're like, and you're like, okay, I have a client, but like, what do I do? And personally, I'm like, no, I want the clients like now give me hands-on experience because that's going to be more credible and I'm going to be more qualified and I'm going to be more comfortable going exactly. I'm not performing surgery or anything, but like, these are still people's lives at risk. No, it's, it's definitely, you know, a learning curve regardless law school, med school, just like actually being hands-on and like being by yourself versus just like even shadowing. Right. So you can go through shadowing and really not learn that much. It's, it's really kind of on you to like read and kind of pay attention to details about how to interact with people or how to treat people. So yeah, your yeah. experience is what you make of it. Absolutely. Exactly. Um, so I like that. And I want to talk about shadowing and like prep into med school in a second, but once you are in your residency year, you know, you're two years out, you're actually now in Durham residency studying to become a dermatologist. What is that? program like? What do you do for those three years of residency? Yeah, so the three years you're doing dermatology, usually your schedule changes throughout the three years. So in general, the first year, I feel like it focuses mainly on general dermatology or medical dermatology. So, you know, kind of what you would think, like learning about skin cancer and different genetic diseases and, you know, diseases that affect the skin, like rashes. Um, and as you go along, I think you start to incorporate more surgical skills and more cosmetics. So every program is very different though. Like my program, I was fortunate that I got a lot of exposure to cosmetics and surgery kind of early on, but some are more like purely medical based. Some don't even learn cosmetics hardly in their residency. So it's definitely, definitely program dependent. And that's based on the hospital system and what the program director you know, sees is best, but in general, we have to all take a board exam and it's a national board exam. The MDs and the DOs, like we all take the same one for dermatology and it focuses more on like clinical things. Um, but there's, there's a new pathway that they, ju they just created in terms of exams. So we have to take a basic exam. They call it our first year. And then our, during our second year, we take these core modules, which are in dermatopathology, pediatric dermatology, surgical derm, and cosmetic derm, and general derm. So it forces you to kind of learn the different aspects of dermatology and, you know, pass an exam. And then once you pass all of those, then you're eligible to take the board exam after you graduate in your third year. So lots of exams, as always, um, <laughs> you know, gotta love it. But it's good because it kind of forces you to study throughout your training. And um, in our program, we had four days of clinic a week, and then we had one day dedicated to didactics. So you'll have lectures by sometimes other residents or faculty, and they'll teach you, you know, different aspects of dermatology or 
go over different techniques for surgery or we um, learned a lot of dermatopathology, which is like looking at the skin under the microscope and being able to identify a disease like based on that. So yeah, the, it, it really depends on the program, but it's a lot of learning. Dermatology is a very academic field. People are surprised by because they just think it's boring and it's easy and it's actually really complicated because there's a lot of internal diseases as well. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And I was going to ask you and you answered my question, if it's like still in dermatology residency, it's still like lecture based or if it's more hands-on and you answer it's both. Um, something you know is cool. So other residents can give lectures as well. Yeah. Yeah. So like a lot of times the third year residents, cause they're more senior, they'll be, you know, lecturing the first years and teaching them more basic things or, Hey, this is important. So like when you're reading about this, focus on this, cause this is what's going to be tested on an exam for instance. Yeah. Which is good. So kind of gives a good mix of learning from your peers and learning from, you know, attendings and colleagues. And so other, so we kind of have our exams during Durham's set up like that, but there's in-service exams during residency that most other specialties have to take. And it's, it's basically an exam that you, I don't think it's pass fail, but it gives you a percentile rank based on everyone else in the nation who took the exam. So say you're in orthopedic residency, you'll take an exam every year, everyone, no matter what your year in residency is, you take it. And they hope that you would obviously improve your percentile as you gain more knowledge you know throughout residency but those kind of help you to see where you are at in your training and maybe what you need to focus on interesting like you said it's a lot of exams but I, again I think it's nice that you guys have a lot of both you know practical knowledge hands-on knowledge and also like you're very well trained and well informed in these whatever's going on in the body and you know infectious diseases etc and like I said earlier too you're talking about like dermatology you, you said like people think it's easy but it's actually really complex because it is connected to internal medicine and autoimmune disorders you know it's a big buzz yeah. a lot of people are talking about them but some you know for example like basic one everyone knows herpes like it develops outwardly but it's something that's going on in your body internally so you know I've struggled with some autoimmune disorders as well and I, I learned that from my OBGYN and so I and I'm very grateful that he has a very even though he's an MD he has a very holistic approach to medicine I think again being Hispanic plays a big role in it um, both of my doctors that are MDs have a very holistic approach which I really appreciate and so once you are in residency you know you are a third year so actually, I don't know, it would be your second or thirty, but once you're in residence, you're taking these exams, you could be done at that point and just go into practice. You chose to do a fellowship year. So at what point did you decide, I wanted to do a fellowship? How did you decide? How did you apply for that? And at what point was that? Yeah, so I actually always knew I wanted to do a fellowship. Um, I just love surgery. So I was able to focus more on procedural dermatology by doing the fellowship and kind of specializing it and just like learning a little bit more than what we do in residency. I mean, you can technically graduate your derm after your third year, you're a dermatologist and you can really do like any of the surgical procedures. Like you can go and do most surgery, which is what my fellowship focuses on. Like you can go and do that without a fellowship, but I think there's an added layer of, you know, confidence in your physician when they're 
absolutely an extra year and they subspecialize. So I think there is, um, you know, I, I feel like I am very, very glad that I did the fellowship because I've learned so much this year to the point where I couldn't imagine like not having done it and just like doing those procedures like by myself without that extra experience. Um, so in terms of applying for it, it's almost like a mini residency match. Unfortunately, it's quite stressful and most surgery is a very competitive fellowship. So you can, well, for me, I applied during COVID. So there wasn't any rotations um, and it was all virtual interviews, but I think it would be similar once things open up that you can go rotate for a day or two at a program that you're applying to. Um, and then, you know, also interview with them and you rank it's through the San Francisco match it's called where you same thing programs rank you you rank programs and then there's a match day a mini match day in December so it's a much smaller scale than you know residency match but a similar process um just as stressful I would say but the good thing is you know like okay I'm gonna be at least a dermatologist at this point so I can't be that upset if I don't match you know yeah um but yeah fellowships are good for further subspecializing like within a field yeah that makes total sense and I agree I think they would have more confidence knowing that you have that extra credential and I I know you know and I know you're probably not going to share with me and that's totally fine um but what happens next what's next for you once you finish this fellowship out and you know what are avenues so can you explain a little bit about what your fellowship is Mo's is that how you pronounce it Mo's yeah Mo's yeah what that is and what you can do with that subspecialty and if you want to share what you're going to be doing. So yeah, so Mo's micrographic surgery is a skin saving technique to take off skin cancer. So when you take off skin cancer, there's a certain guidelines that dictate the amount of skin that you take when you're removing it. So there's a certain amount of normal skin that you have to take around the skin cancer to make sure that it's removed because a lot of times there's like little microscopic cells that you don't see clinically so you basically take these standardized margins around what you clinically see and you cut it out and then you send it to a pathologist and they'll read it under the microscope to make sure that there's no cancer remaining Um, but for face for areas like the face or delicate areas where you want to save tissue and you don't want to have to take that full margin we do Mohs surgery. So we cut around what we clinically see as skin cancer. And then we look at it under the microscope like that day, like within 30 minutes. So we have a tech um, in our office and they'll process the slides, put it on a a microscopic slide for us. And then we'll look at it under the microscope and we can see, oh, okay, well, there's a little bit of skin cancer remaining, but it's only in this one quadrant. So we kind of label it like a clock. So like 12, nine, six, and three. And we can see, okay, at the three o'clock, there's a little bit. So we're just going to take a little bit off of that edge and you don't have to go around the whole thing and take more tissue. So it's a way to take less tissue, but still remove the skin cancer. And it actually has a higher cure rate. It's about 99% compared to just that traditional excision that I had mentioned before. And we also do a lot of reconstruction. So almost like what you think of a plastic surgeon where kind of moving skin and doing flaps and closing people up so we can reconstruct them and they look as normal as possible after having I love seeing your different. stories and sharing <laughs> you what you do it's a little graphic sometimes it was also really I know cool. I actually just had Instagram like flag me for, for today because of my lip filler because I guess the blood and I was like dude no like it's not yeah, like come on I know they 
it's so weird because I'll post a lot of them and they they flagged this just one and like <laughs> reported me as like posting something bad so now I'm on like <laughs> yeah no, I, yeah the the warning but um but it's so cool the the surgeries you can do um cosmetically and also and I and I we you and I talked about some DMs the other day like that you guys because you have a more trained surgical eye for skin cancer and you know reconstruction versus a traditional plastic surgeon or cosmetic um, physician that you guys it's like even more microscopic like you can barely tell like for example blepharoplasties which is upper eyelid surgery um it's something I've looked into and things like that so it's really cool so yeah what can you do once you specialize in modes what do you where can you go with this private practice hospital and what are you doing Oh, yes. So you can actually do any of the above that you just mentioned. So it's really person dependent. So you can go work in a private practice and kind of do your thing. You can open your own practice. Or there are physicians that will want to work in academia. So um, in an academic setting, uh, you tend to see less patients, a little bit more regulated. There's a lot of teaching. So there might be residents or other people training there that you will um, teach as well. So you can kind of go the route that you want to go. And people in academia tend to do a lot of research because they have requirements and things like that. Whereas some people are like, I just want to do private practice. I don't want to have to worry about any of that and just kind of focus on my patients and that's it. I am actually moving to Charleston, South Carolina, which I'm very excited. We're building a house and I'm going to be opening my own practice there. So right now I'm in the process of looking at spaces and kind of like get that whole thing rolling. So I'm very excited, but it's going to be interesting to like live in a very different place. And of course, going to miss Miami a lot. Well, we'll always welcome you back. But so I want to ask, what's it like having to move for med school? Like you stayed where you were from in the same area to go to med school. But what's it like moving to med school and moving to Miami, completely different place for intern residency or fellowship? You got lucky, you stayed, but like you yeah. moved in between and now moving to practice. What's the moving process like? And then why did you choose South Carolina if you are not from there and that's not where you study? Yeah, so it, it's definitely a stressful process moving, but I think it's worth it. I feel like being able to go and learn from a different area that you maybe went to med school in or where you grew up it's just good to experience different cultures one like different patient populations and just learn from different people because I feel like people in different parts of the world you know even though medicine is the same like it's still styles kind of vary on just how they go about things so I'm actually very glad that I was able to come to Miami and just experience you know different cultures um, it was tough to transition though. Like I think I graduated in June and then I started July 1st. So everyone starts intern year or like the next year of residency, July 1st is kind of when it like resets and you move to the next year. So it was a very quick turnaround of like a week or two, like you need to move and get down here for orientation. And then you're starting a week later in July. And then in terms of South Carolina, we actually just kind of fell in love with it by going there. We have good friends there so we visited them a lot and since I am from the northeast we figured that it was a little bit closer to home so you know we'd be able to drive a little bit more easily if we wanted to go home and 
I do miss the seasons a little bit. So it'll be more mild winters, but awesome. it's still on the coast, still by the beach. Charleston has amazing food. I feel like everyone who goes just loves it. So we were kind of drawn there and we were like, listen, we don't know if this is 100% the right decision because we've never lived there, which is very scary, but it's kind of pulling us there right now. So we're going to kind of take that leap of faith and then, you know, nothing is permanent. So we'll see, but I'm very excited to go there. I think it'll be a little more chill. I've never been, but I'm dying to go. It looks incredible. Definitely. It's um yeah no and it's Charleston you do get a little bit more winter but and it's good too we talked about it earlier that medicine isn't state specific it's national so you can you have even more flexibility with that and you know you're taking a risk but it might pay off or and if it doesn't you can come back here you can go back to you know Delaware Philadelphia wherever um, is universal and you already have a degree and you can take it with you anywhere I want to talk a little bit there's so much more we can talk about but I want to talk about you sharing all of this on social media. So you've been really open on social media with your experience and helping others do this as well. And you're, you know, you're not a coach in the sense that you charge people for it. Like you help coach people through getting into med school, what the process is like, giving them advice, encouraging them, sharing, you know, study tips and things that you did to help, you know, maintain balance, maintain your you know, self-care, your mental health, and just, I think overall, just encouraging people that, you know, you chose med school for a reason and, you know, you love it. It's going to be hard, but it'll be worth it. So when did you kind of start sharing it on social media and why? Yeah. So I started my intern year, actually, I didn't necessarily do it on purpose, but I was posting a lot in the hospital because an intern year, I pretty much lived there because your hours are just crazy. And I started posting random things and people were like, you should make your, your profile public and, you know, just start, start sharing things. So I feel like people will really be drawn to it. So I did that and I just started to grow. I grew a lot that year um, in terms of my like audience and social media following. Cause I think people, I mean, it was probably at this point a few years. Yeah. It was about five years ago when I did it. Um, and I wasn't posting like crazy amounts or anything like that, but I just wanted to be that voice of encouragement for people and just be relatable because I feel like at that point there wasn't a lot of like medical profiles of people actually sharing their experiences. And I just knew how stressful the process was. And especially like in medicine, there's not a lot of like standardized information out there. So like when I was applying for dermatology, no one could tell me like, these are the programs you should apply to. Like, I knew nothing about even like what year I was supposed to apply. Like, um, cause back then when I was applying dermatology, you didn't actually apply until your intern year. So it was very different than any other specialty. And I had a lot of trouble like getting information and just talking to people that could help me. Like my advisors half the time, like didn't even know. So I was like, I want to be able to help people so they don't feel as stressed going through this process. And you know, everyone's like dermatology is so competitive or, you know, there's other specialties like that as well. And everyone makes it seem so daunting and impossible. Like don't even bother applying. And I was like, no, like I want to share my experience. And I didn't have the best step one score, but I decided that derm was my passion. So, you know, I was going to improve on my other exams and kind of boost my application in other ways to make it possible to do my dream specialty. And I want to share that with people and be transparent because I love that negativity out there you know no I love that you did and I 
I agree with you. I think the reason you took off so the way that you did when you started it four or five years ago was because there wasn't enough people talking about it, if any. And I think a common theme for a lot of people who do talk about whether it's starting a business or law school, med school, PA, other programs that are people that are a professional degree or doing something and also sharing the building process online. The reason they are so successful and the people that have become so successful is because they started when no one else was and they encouraged other people, one, to share the process, to give access, to give relatability, but also to show that I think it goes also to like that balance and like there's more to you than just you know, being a med student or a law student or a resident or a dermatologist or whatever, like it's having other interests and hobbies and just making it overall just more accessible and relatable. And I've never been interested in medicine, but I enjoy following you because there's a camaraderie between what I do and what you do. And it's fascinating seeing, because again, you're getting an insight into the people that are going to treat you and seeing what they learn. And it's like another behind the scenes layer and just it's also just entertaining and really freaking cool because there's so much that you guys know and do. It's like, I thought I was, I'm not going to say I'm the smartest person in the world. I'm by far, I'm very far from it. But like, holy shit, you guys know way, way more than me. <laughs> it's awesome. just different. If you asked me like, anything about law, I would be so clueless. So <laughs> in medicine, I, I can't even like today, my, my lip, my Darren PA was doing my lips and she's like, you don't even flinch anymore. Like you got, you've gotten so, so much better at this. And I'm like, I hate needles. Like I, and she's like, are you remembering to be? I'm like, I'm breathing. I'm good. I'm good. Just we're having a conversation and that's from the conversation because I don't like this, but I'm trying really hard to breathe. Um, so I give you guys props for all the things you have to know. And then also focusing on like that, the technical things of it and like surgery and all of that. So it's fascinating. And I love that you shared online and you know, it's, it's also, it's a testament to if you do it because you love it and you genuinely want to share and you're enjoying sharing it and the purpose behind it is to help people and encourage people, it's going to take you a lot further, um, which is really cool. And what's your favorite part about sharing the process on social media? Why do you still do it even now? I think just being able to connect with other people and just um, I met so many amazing friends through social media one like you think it's like kind of superficial but it really isn't like Claudia I met through social media and now we're like best friends so it's really funny but I think that aspect of it and just being able to make someone else less stressed when they're going through the stomping process is the main reason I do it I mean at this point too I I basically post what I like like you know, there's times I'm like, oh, I should post this or this, but I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to post what I like, regardless of like how many likes or how well I think it's going to do. Cause I just want to be like genuine and myself and just have fun with it. Cause it can also, you know, like it can be stressful when there's like deadlines or certain things that you think people want to see from you and what the algorithm wants, which is like crazy. So I think it's so important that what you said to focus on the stuff that you like posting, because again, your audience is going to know like, oh, she's, she really loves talking about this. And so, yeah, I, as much as I would love to, I, to grow and be able to do what you do for my community, you know, I do get to do it on a smaller scale. I would love to do it on an even bigger scale. I'm okay with not having the numbers that I would like to have because I'm not making content just for numbers. I'm doing it because I'm showing you the real behind the scenes of what a day in my life is like and how all of this that is really happening in real time. And 
I want you to see the ups, the downs, the good, the bads, all of that. So I love that. And you get to work with Figs, which is a really cool brand. I know they're one of the your favorite brands to work with. Um, how did that come about? How did brand partnerships come about? And someone who does, who's in like the med school education, skincare fields, how do they start working with brands that aren't just like the skincare brands, but also like mm-hmm. brands like Figs? Yeah, because I also share a lot about lifestyle too. So Figs actually reached out to me when I was in, in I think, near the beginning of my first year of residency, I believe. And so I kind of joined on with them and have had so much fun kind of meeting people and being a part of that community. Um, and other in terms of other brands, a lot of times people reach out to me. I, I honestly have been so busy just like going through training that I don't tend to reach out to brands necessarily. Um, I usually have people reach out to me and there's a lot of, especially in skincare, you have to be very careful. Um, so I really only work with brands that I know have like clinical studies behind them and research behind them and that are reputable brands and the products that I actually tried and liked. Cause I don't want to share something that one, I don't use or like it's not genuine or I don't think it's a good product. So I'm pretty selective at this point in like who I work with, but you know, it's good meeting new brands and trying out new products all the time. I've like this skin shelf in my room that my friends are like wow this looks like a store you have so many things and I'm like I know I try to I try to share with people but it's fun trying new products I love following so a lot of the people that I follow now for skincare and beauty tips are people like you who have the the technical background as well I'm not going to just follow any skin influencer like like if they're my friends, yes, but I, t- I tend to, you know, by Derm, PAU, Amy, Claudia, like people who are talking about this and have like the actual knowledge and skills because you have done the research for us that I don't have time to do. So I'm going to trust you because that's your day job. Um, so I love that. And yeah, you have to be so, so careful, especially with something like skin. Um, and again, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, we're being a lot more conscious of you know, our bodies, holistic wellness, what we put in our bodies, what we're eating, what we're drinking, we want to be careful with the cosmetics and things that we do as well. Um, But I I wish we could, we could talk so much more. And I, like, I, we could always do a part two, but there's so much we could talk about. And I wish we had like unlimited time in the world. And this episode would be way too long for that. But I just, I love seeing what you share online. And it, like, truly seeing that it is because you love it. And that you're making education and med school so much more relatable and accessible to people because it is so important. And I hope if you're listening that, you know, this helped you decide whether med school was the right route for you um, and maybe whether dermatology was the right route for you. Because I don't know, if I ever were to have done med school, I think dermatology would be also the field I go into just because, I mean, who doesn't love like cosmetics and makeup and skin and you know beauty stuff and even though that's very surface level what you do it's, it's a part of it so I think I would have been interested in that as well that yeah. is low-key the best but we'll keep that a secret <laughs> what advice do you have for anyone who is in the med school application cycle and it's just or in med school like anyone in that field what advice do you have them I think you just have to kind of dig inside of you and then you know, make sure that this is your passion because it's a long road. So don't try to do it for the money or for the prestige or anything like that because you really have to be dedicated and love what you're doing. 
to be a physician and go through the whole medical journey. But I think in terms of people who are applying and are stressed, just try to stay determined, stay focused, take it day by day, because it is a very overwhelming process, but we've all been through it. We all understand what it's like. And I think if you want to get there, you're going to get there. There's just different avenues to do that. So just try to, yeah, just try to stay focused and, you know, everything will work out how it's supposed to. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in that. And I know your DMs are always open for people who have any questions or yeah, for sure. anyone can reach out. Yeah. So where can everyone find you? So my Instagram is Gab Vasily and it's G-A-B-V-A-S-I-L-E. And then I'm on TikTok as well. My TikTok is kind of struggling. I don't really go on it that much, but it's the same handle as well. And then I also have a blog that's linked on my Instagram um, but it's destinationdermblog.com. And I have some more detailed things on there about um, applying to Durham, why I chose to be a DO and other various topics. So you guys can check that out. Perfect. I'll link everything in the show notes, but thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. It was nice chatting with you today. Mm-hmm.